Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. It is episode 35 of For Future Considerations. How you doing? Thanks for listening in. Hope you've been enjoying the podcast. My name's Manny. As always, the guys are here, Matt and John. John up in Markdale, are you still showing off that bod from episode 34 or what? Oh, definitely. Drawing people from far and wide all over the neighborhood. <laughs> You're the big draw in Markdale these days, are you? <laughs> That's right. I heard they, they took down the no shirt, no shoes, no service signs, just hoping to get a, a peek. <laughs> That's right. They put up my picture and said, you might get lucky. He might come in. <laughs> might be coming in for some chocolate milk, ladies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Matt, how you doing, bud? Good, good, man. What's going on? You you, you cut the glow out there. We had, uh, we had some problems there. You were, you were <laughs> neon. From the, uh, uh, whatever the heck you had in your, your G2. Come on, vodka G2 might be the greatest yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. What vodka? Sky Vodka. Okay. That's was the first one I grabbed yeah, from yeah. the bar. So. Yeah, yeah. Down below. How are your NHL predictions looking? Oh, NHL God. playoff predictions. Uh, so, somebody may have slipped me something before. <laughs> Did I pick Carolina to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup this year? What uh, the hell? It's all good. If you haven't listened to our last episode, please do. Steve Bell joined us, and we offered our predictions on these Stanley Cup playoffs. I got to tell you though, the the action's been incredible. Been great games, yeah, for sure. So episode thirty four again. Uh, let us know what you think uh, of our picks. Uh, what are your picks? Uh, we'll be posting the NHL playoff highlights on social media accounts before NHL.com does. So make sure you <laughs> check out those podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook at For Future Considerations. And you can also send us an email at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com and let us know about your picks, like Matt said. And a big shout out to uh, Michael, James, Todd, and Coop, who reached out after listening to the podcast. They loved the interview with Jared Maidens last week on the 10th anniversary of the Owens and Attack winning their first OHL championship. Great interview. Really enjoyed it. A big thanks to everyone who watched the Attack Rap Special 2 on Rogers TV or online. That was a lot of fun to put together, and I appreciate all the messages of support. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great program, so if you get a chance to take a look at that, uh, Manny really steals the show and, and does... <laughs> Not quite. Does does Not most quite. of the... Think, speaking of, does most of the interviews shirtless. Yeah, like Shazi. Like, Shazi's yeah. changing. Shaz- Shazi gets dressed during the thing, get ready to go to the Andrew game, boys. Shaw, they didn't a... even play that night. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy! Yeah. So again, uh, we uh, are continuing to uh, to honor some of these great teams that we've been lucky enough to be around in, in the uh, the OHL championship team uh, with the Owen Sound Attack, certainly near and dear to our hearts. Another team that uh, has hung a few banners in the WFCU center down this way, Memorial Cup banners and OHL championships and, and the loot. Uh, our, our guest here's uh, got both of the rings that he's got on and it's a little bit shiny uh, reflecting from his end here. Um, Dale Mitchell joining us. Dale, thanks so much for joining for future considerations. No worries, guys. It's a pleasure. Look at this. Two-time OHL champ. Two-time Memorial Cup champ. 
draft pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He spent the past seven seasons in Europe. He's won the Danish Cup. That was in 2016. He led the league in scoring 2015-2016, 2016-2017. And he just announced his retirement after 12 pro seasons and a tremendous junior hockey career. That's quite the resume, Dale. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a fun time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it's been a couple months since you announced your retirement, end of March. Uh, how'd you know it was time to hang up those skates? Uh, how are you feeling about it now? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, my wife, she, she traveled with me the last seven years over there, and we had our son actually over there three years ago. And, um, you know, the last few years, you're kind of going, you know, when she's delayed her life and her career and uh, for me to play and kind of you have that conversation that it's, uh, when are we going to settle down in Canada? So uh, the last few summers have kind of have been, you know, even though I would sign, I was kind of back and forth on whether if something came up, I would stay, if not. But this past year, um, especially with our son going to start kindergarten, I mean, hopefully with COVID, but uh, come September, we made decision that uh, once he starts school, it, it was time for us to settle down in Canada. And you're so feeling good was, about it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it's uh, when you're in the middle of the season, and especially this year was no fans. So I'll be honest, like. It's so bad to say, but there are some games I was kind of like, what, what's going like? I know you should be it's a professional and do, your, yeah. and do your job, but it you take it for granted that you feed off the energy of the crowd and, and the excitement of, I mean, even if there's 200 fans, to be honest with you, just, just something, because our games aren't televised there, so you're kind of just playing for the scoreboard because you're just, you know, you're not playing in front of anybody. You know, no one's seeing what you're doing or not. You could score a goal, but have an awful game. You get away with the stats, but it was kind of even. It was kind of easy to just say it's done because it was. Yeah, it was. We were very good this year either, so a lot of things kind of fell into place, and uh, it was quite comfortable. I'm sure I'll miss it come when training camps open up in August in Europe, and I'm sure I'll have that, uh, especially when the season starts. I'll be definitely scoreboard checking. I'm jumping ahead here, Dale. But when you look back at the the resume that uh, that you've produced over your career uh, as a player in in the OHL and professionally, uh, what what stands out to you when you uh, get a chance to kind of look back at uh, at what you've been able to accomplish as a hockey player? Uh, I mean, for me, after I didn't resign in North America, well. When I signed my deal with Toronto and things didn't pan out in the NHL, I was actually quite disappointed. And you know, went to Europe and at 24, and that was exciting. But then coming back and trying out things in the East Coast League again, I was kind of, you know, I, I stopped enjoying it. I guess because your dream is obviously to play in the NHL. I think that's fair to say for every player that grows up in major junior or NCAA that you want to play in the NHL and. It's didn't really pan out, so I was quite disappointed. But when I was able to go to Denmark, and and I don't know something about it just made me love hockey again. And, and I don't know if it was Denmark similar to Canada, the you know very similar culture and, and, and the smaller rink 
added that OHL dynamic where, you know, you weren't having big arenas, but you had at least two, you know, a thousand or two thousand fans, and it felt packed. And so, that actually made me play for another seven years and enjoy things again. So, um, yeah, I was definitely very thankful and gra- uh, grateful for the opportunity that I had. But uh, wasn't always just roses uh, throughout that pro career. That's for sure. For the love of the game, though, right? Like, yeah. I can mean, you now what I do now? I kind of go, uh, <laughs> well, I wish I will could be playing but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so true like can you believe it's been 12 years since you won the ohl title your first ohl title may 8 2009 may 4th 2010 that first year you you beat brampton in five games you swept the colts in 2010 and then we're coming up on the anniversaries here may 24th 2009 Windsor beats Kelowna to 4-1 to win that first Mem Cup. And then a year later, basically, May 23rd, 2010, Spitfires beat Brandon 9-1 to win their second consecutive junior hockey title. Can you believe it's been that long? I mean, no. Uh, I mean, yes and no, because we, we still talk. We have a, a group on, on Messenger. and uh, I mean, it's not active every day, but we still there's a group of us that speak and it's like our jokes and our lingo and all that is kind of still the same, you know, the guys are a little bit more mature, but I mean, deep down, you know, everyone's still the same guy. Like we all are, I guess. But when you kind of still keep that relationship with the guys, you kind of feel like, yeah, it was kind of just yesterday. Right. Um, so no, I mean, I, it does feel like a little while, but I guess you could look at that's almost 10 years or it is 10 years. So it does feel you like yesterday, to- but yeah, you can totally understand that, I guess. Cause you know, you're married now, you've got kids now, you guys have families now, but I got to think that those memories still flood back. Like it was just yesterday. Oh yeah. I mean, to be honest, it felt like those, two runs you're in Windsor for nine months if you think about you come at the end of August and you don't leave until the end of May so every pro year is kind of you know if you don't play in the playoffs those years are done then you look forward to the next year so those years were seemed like they were long and then your pro career every year is just flies by so yeah it does feel very like it was yesterday I guess that cliche can still come up so you were traded to Windsor from Oshawa. Do you remember that deal? Uh, what do you remember about um, being told that you were on the move? Well, the thing is, is what, those were one of the old deals where they would trade you um, in a deal, but you would get moved in the summer. So actually it was, we got Michael Neuver, Shug went to, Justin Shug went to Windsor, and then a picks were involved. And then I'd be playing against, this was in January, but I was still on Oshawa. And then I'd be playing against Windsor and like, you know, as a chirp, like, do you know you're getting dealt to Windsor in the summer as part of that deal? And <laughs> I said, what? And didn't think anything You were the it. player and, to be made later? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. And, and then obviously right after the game, I called my agent. I said, is this true? And he said, well, let me make a few phone calls. Calls me back and yeah, looks like it. And I said, well, what do I do? Do I ask the GM? Do I just play my year out? He goes, well, just continue playing as 
you're an Oshawa general because you are. So I did that, and it kind of started to make sense. And, you know, you hear more and more. And then at the end of the season, when I had my exit meeting with Oshawa, I asked the GM, and he said, you could be part of the deal, but we don't know yet come July 1st. So that GM had actually been fired a week after the exit meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Not because of that deal, but... Um, I sure, I'm sure that actually Rocco Tulio was the is still the owner. Who, you know, yeah, Winter's, good old uh, Windsor guy. Very, yeah, very familiar with. And uh, I actually talked about this with my wife the other day because it almost kind of never happened because they called me the day before and said, "Hey, now we want to confirm that you are moving to Windsor." Uh, uh, the coach, um, Christy Piero, who took over. I said, do you want to still go, though? And I said, to be honest with you, no. I want to stay in Oshawa. I love it here. Drafted three years and, you know, relationships, friends, teammates. I grew up with a lot of guys my age. And I said, no, I don't want to go. And so they made the call to Windsor. And, you know, he's not going to, he doesn't really want to come. But then my agent heard that and said, I think I, I think you should think about it twice. Windsor's going to be really good. And, and I think this would be a great move for your career. And so I said, okay, well, I'll honor the deal, and players get traded all the time, so I'll do it. And obviously, it was probably one of the best things to happen. I could have been in Oshawa, and they were not very good anyways the next year. So um, that's how that deal went down, yeah. It wasn't very simple. That uh, 2008-2009 season, your first year in Windsor, you guys dominated during the regular season. You had Taylor Hall and Ryan Ellis and Adam Henrique and far and away the best team. And then you beat Brampton in five games in the final. Um, What do you remember about that team when you think back to that first year? So when I, yeah, when I came over to the West, I only really experienced a lot of the East teams. So I was said in the East, you can get away with some bad teams, but in the West, everyone's good. You know, everyone, I don't know. That's still true today. Yeah, 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 exactly. If Guelph's last place, they're still really good. So, you know, you, you literally couldn't take a game off, and the rivalry seemed to be more, you know, we were a rival with Plymouth, but we're also a rival with Sarnia, and we're also a rival with London. And I was in Oshawa. You're really only a rival with Peterborough. So every game's like a bloodbath. And I remember just coming into the barn and, and you know, 20 five fights for Sarnia opening night I think it was and five fights for London next game it's like this is like you, you got to keep your head up so um, I don't know I think just to touch back to uh, I thought it was just the way that uh, Bob Buchner and Warren Reichel and DJ Smith and Bob Jones and the way they were able to assemble that team with toughness and speed and skill it was almost like a yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but they knew what they were doing, obviously, and nobody scared us any single night because we had the toughness to back us up and we had the skill to to light the score up. And and uh, I think those guys deserve a ton of credit too, the way they they came in and built that team. A well-rounded team for sure. I yeah. want to talk. I want to talk about that 2009 Memorial Cup tournament in Ramuski. You lose your first two games, but then you become the first team in CHL history to come through the tiebreaker game to win the title by winning your final four games. You played a huge role in that tiebreaker game. You guys are down 4-2. You score three goals in three minutes to give the Spitfires the lead and you guys win the game. 
What do you remember from that game? Well, I know that I it, what, what I wasn't having a great tournament uh, through the round robin. I don't know if I took it for granted that we'd already won the OHL championship and I was content with that. Or um, I don't know. I just wasn't producing, and and I even remember that you know Boogie and Reichel they were very upfront and honest with how you were playing, and even DJ Smith. These guys were, you know, they wouldn't sugarcoat it. That's for sure. So like they would let you know how bad you were playing. And I don't know, to be honest, at the, that third period uh, for the tiebreaker game was, I did get the bounces, but it was almost like, you know, everything kind of evened out throughout those first few games. Cause I thought I was playing good, but they said I wasn't. And it's almost, it was awesome. And it was almost relieving that I did that to be like, yes, I am here to play. And, and I, you know, I'm doing my job, kind of thing. It was more relieving than 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 anything, because then I could at least say, you know, I did my part. I know it's a team game, but you always want to do your part in any aspect of any job. So, um, yeah, things just came together that game, and, I, and the puck went on my stick. And I mean, I there's one shot I took that I even practice to this day, and I still shoot it over the net, and I don't know. I managed to put it under the bar that game. So <laughs> I don't know. As as a player, I know it's tough to hear, but do you like coaches when they're that honest? At that age, at nineteen twenty, you you think you you can handle, but I remember sometimes I'm like these guys are just. But they make you better players, and you handle these coaches down the line. And I mean, I had coaches in, a few coaches in pro that were hard, and then I had a few coaches that were too easy, and I'm kind of even saying, for example, like we need we need to coach us harder on each other but i know with the new generation and everything you got to kind of watch what you say and watch what you do but these guys really shaped and you can see that the what they developed there with the guys they really made you have tough skin and and uh to handle the pro aspect because they all played through it so again use the word they didn't sugarcoat anything the way they the way they handled things and video meetings and didn't matter if you were Taylor Hall and didn't matter if you were Ryan and Ellis, especially didn't matter if you were Cam Fowler. They gave it to those guys no different than us. And I'm not sure if you'll, you see that in today's teaching. And maybe that isn't the right way. I, I mean, but the, what they did worked. And, and I actually would believe what they did was a good job. And uh, yeah, I think it helped me get through a lot of pro coaches that I had because, you know, sometimes you're not prepared for that. When you get it from a coach like that right before a game, um, does it make you go out and play better in that game, or does it throw you off and take you a little bit to uh, to get your head straight? Well, I'm 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 trying to learn how players to adapt because I would love to get into coaching. So I always thought, yeah, you could just give it to guys, and if they don't respond, then they're not good enough to play the game. But I actually think that everyone's different, and everybody learns differently because it's just unfortunately we're not all just you know, hungry animals, you've got to handle everyone individually different. So for me, actually, I always, it worked well for me because I like to prove the coaches wrong. I like to prove my boss wrong. You know, you always want to, you know, stick it up their ass, I guess you could say. <laughs> Forgive my language, but that's kind of the mentality. And But, you know, going through the pros rank, especially in Denmark this year, we had a lot of young guys. And I really noticed that the young culture 
you know, I, I don't like to say baby them, but you have to, communication's massive. And if you get on hard on a lot of these guys, they'll just fold, I guess you could say. So for me, it worked well, but I don't think it works for everyone. That's for sure. First and foremost, uh, Dale, this is on the internet, so you can say anything you want. Yeah, but you've said far worse <laughs> than us. So. Okay. I, I would, I would, uh, I would assume that, uh, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, assume from the relationships and the coaching experience and such as that you've had with Bob Bugner and, and DJ Smith specifically, that you're not surprised that they're having the success that they have, uh, having moved on from those teams and coaching in the NHL. Absolutely, and I think you nailed it right on the head. That you know what. I'm sure they've adapted their communication and their coaching style for sure, but I think it's not a mistake why they're where they are. And I believe even Bob Jones is, is with DJ in Ottawa. I could be wrong. I'm not totally up to date on that. But so all three of those guys are at the next level, and um, it's, and I think DJ's very loved in Ottawa as well. So uh, he's actually a guy that you know, and this doesn't take anything away from Bob. Or, or, or Bob Jones either, but I thought DJ was one that I would would even myself want to prototype myself after if I ever became a coach. So just the communication, I think, is huge, and you have a lot of coaches that will uh, say, um, for example, like, "Oh, my 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 door is open anytime," you know. But who really goes into the coach's office? If that makes mm-hmm. sense, right? You have to be invited yeah, yeah. in, and I think. DJ was so good at interacting with players, but then again, he was the assistant. So, you know, I'm sure as a head coach, you have to have a little more of a sternness. So, but I, again, to, to back to your original comment, it's not a mistake why they're there. Uh, just because they played in the NHL, it's because how good they are at what they do. Well, I think you know DJ's in the room no matter what, right? Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we've all had our encounters with him at one point, and you know when he's in the room. <laughs> you know when he's in the room. So. So that second season in Windsor, take you back. Um, you know, you started actually with the Marlies, yeah, right? Yeah. That, that that second season. Did you know you were coming back? And how was that year being the defending champs? Yeah, I start. I, my whole goal was to yeah we, to play pro hockey at that point, and uh, you know, it's one of those things. You're 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 happy to be a part of an organization in your hometown, Toronto. Love the Leafs to this day still. Uh, but you're part of an organization that has too many players and not saying I was good enough to play in the NHL, but you also are competing against 70 other guys at camp, you know? So when I went to camp and I was already help, you know, again, there's so many guys with the Marlies, it's got, you know, 30 year old guys. I think there was only two guys that were within 23 years old and I was 20. So I kind of see the writing on the wall that, you know, I'll probably go back to junior and develop. And, um, again, pretty thankful that I was able to experience, like, another run going back to Windsor and, and having a chance and then accomplishing that goal to win the Memorial Cup again. So, yeah, no, it wasn't my goal, but it, it happened that way. One of my favorite moments ever in the OHL is uh, uh, in that Western Conference final, you guys were down 3 nothing to Kitchener. And uh, Boogie was giving it to one of the Windsor reporters who had written you guys off. You have come. Yeah. You came back to beat Kitchener in the conference final, yeah. and then swept Barry in the OHL uh, final. What do you guys remember from that run? Well, I think because a lot of us were a part of the original 
uh, Memorial Cup comeback, if that what did you call it? yeah, when we lost the two games there and we it was do or die every game, we were able to have that self-confidence that we could do this again. Of course, we never thought we would come back four straight on Kitchener, but it's uh, so cliche, but it is literally one game at a time. And, and, and I believe when you're up three games to nothing, as I've been in a playoff series, even when you're up three, you're going, it only takes one of them to get that ball rolling. And once you get doubt into the other locker room, it does become a, uh, a mind game and momentum is plays a true role. So uh, I think that that experience from the year before really paid off for us to come back against uh, Kitchener and then rolling into Barry. No one thought we would swept Barry, but I think it's just the momentum rolls. And then you win. You go to Brandon. You dominate at the 2010 Mem Cup. Like the final was nine one. Yeah, that was. Warren Reichel said that was the best junior hockey team of all time. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, people say the the '05 London team with Corey Perry and 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 arguably they probably are the best junior team. People will have different opinions on. Well, it was a lockout year, and, and uh, on one hand they had all their guys, on the other hand it was stiffer competition. So, but. I would say, respectively, we're definitely top three, top two. Maybe Cantaloupe's Blazers or, you know, maybe another London Knights team as well. I mean, I'm not too educated on the Q or the WHL team, so that's my my ignorance. But definitely top two in the OHL of all time, I would uh, biasly say. And after a couple of years in the AHL and uh, on the coast, you decided to go to Europe. Um, how did you make that decision? I, after I was traded to Anaheim, I didn't play very many games with Syracuse. I think it was two, but I was there for three months. And the lockout year was the next year, so my agent said, you know, I don't think you'll get a deal, especially with a lot of the trickle effect down. So I have this deal in Europe for you, and I suggest you take it. That way, at least you can play. And you know, I kind of you kind of follow the guidance of your agent, and it was probably true. I mean, you've seen a lot of guys when the NHL is locked out. You have a ton of talent in the NHL, and just you know, would you rather play in the East Coast again for another year or go to Europe? And you know, I kind of always had the plan that I would probably play in Europe, smaller guy, speed, kind of just play to my talents and. It was a bit young, but I think with the lockout, I was kind of forced to, to do something, and that's why I did that. It wasn't my favorite decision, but I had no choice, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in that process. Now, you had said that uh, it was your agent that had suggested um, going over to Europe. Was As far as recruitment is concerned, are they uh, reaching out to potential players uh, is that your agent kind of reaching out to to other teams and doing his job or or how do you make that connection between you know playing in Denmark being a guy that's playing in the East Coast League so really how I've learned it all comes down to like they're not they don't specifically target you they it's actually kind of sad in a way because you kind of are led on a lot of years and again learning how it all works at the end really agents just submit a list of players and, and you know my agent at the time he had 
he didn't have very many guys, so he just said, we have Dale Mitchell, here's his elite prospect, Hockey DB. Are you interested, yes or no? Yes, okay, what's the offer? And then they go along with the money game, and it's up to the player. Yeah, I like that, yes and no. And then as you kind of get older, it's these agents, like, for example, this year we had, uh, you know, GM showed me a list. Uh, agents sent me 50 players. And then it's up to the GM to go list down players and and go, okay, we like this guy because he had 50 points last year. So, again, the top leagues are a little bit different. You know, Sweden, uh, Germany, and, and uh, Switzerland, and K, uh, KHL, they run a little bit differently. But a lot of these mid-tier leagues are, you really have to have a decent agent that I started to learn. And uh, I had a fortunate one, a uh, good one in Denmark. But I couldn't get in Denmark two years prior or a year prior, but I was able to connect with one guy and then I did well there. And he said, what, you, you couldn't get in the league? And so, yeah, it's all, it's, it's a sad reality. I feel bad for a lot of these kids because they think it's all about stats. It's, it's, it's unfortunate because then it's all about points and it doesn't matter if you win or lose. And you have, you play a whole different mind game. Wow. Do these leagues not have scouts? <laughs> it seems like the agents doing all the work. Yeah, and that's why it's actually not a bad business to get into. Just you know, send guys over to Europe and 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 deal that kind of uh, negotiation. Because I've had a GM already for my old team send me three guys. What do you think of these guys? And I'm going well. If one of them signs, I get like one percent. No. Yeah, what's in this for me? <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I don't mind helping out old GMs that have treated me well, and so I have no issues with that. But. Yeah, it's a it's it's a slimy game over there, and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is, I guess. A lot, like for example, a lot of GMs in Denmark, they they volunteer. It's a full time job. Is one guy's an accountant at a one of my GMs was an accountant, the other guy was a lawyer at a law firm, and then and then they just have it on their resume to have a, to pursue a career, which is fine too. I mean, you need someone to volunteer, but they don't have really the time to go out and scout but again the top leagues that's your full-time job so that's a little bit different all right and then when you go through that that process to my understanding and correct me if i'm wrong like depending on the rules of the league uh and how many imports you're able to have like there are guys that that come and go through there on two games three games ten games maybe just based on on individual performance so there's a lot of pressure when you enter into those leagues too Oh, yeah, I mean, Denmark, thankfully, is eight imports, so and they don't want to buy you out, so you can actually have a couple rough spells, not scoring and stuff. But my one year in Germany, and that was the second league, I mean, ten games into the season, this was two years ago, the coach is calling me in, like, you know, if you don't pick things up, we're going to fire you in five games. Wow. <laughs> I, had a, I mean, I had a point a game, but we were losing. I get it, it's a business. You want a fresh blood to get things sparked up again? <laughs> you were a point a game, like, and he was like, oh, "I don't know, Dale." Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things. That's that unbelievable. Almost Hall of Fame type numbers, and you're <laughs> on the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, that league was like, if you're a point a game and you're winning, everything's great. If you're point a game and losing, you shove two points a game. It's like, but I was at a point where I. Uh, this was two years ago, so if they wanted to fire me, I would have been, okay, well, I guess it's time to go, but 
if it was early in my career, I'd be firing back like, are you kidding me, blah, blah, blah. But you just kind of lose that uh, emotion in a way. But, yeah, and you hear a lot of stories that, like, they expect, some of these leagues expect you to get two points a game, and I think they don't realize that hockey is a lot better now. Like, it, you can't just, even in men's league, I don't even get three points a game. <laughs> you get maybe one, like, it's, the hockey players are hockey players. It's not, you know, it's not a sport where you can individually take over. And it's, uh, yeah. And I feel bad for guys that came over, come over now. And I was older this year. And you know, they again, you don't score, and we win, and you don't score, and guys are just, oh, wow, doesn't look good on me. And, but it's unfortunately the mentality that's been embedded in Europe. Like you, you, you literally just log onto the internet. What are your stats? Here they are. And they don't. It's almost like they don't care if you win or lose. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. Dale Mitchell is our guest, former uh, Oshawa General and former Windsor Spitfire, two-time OHL champ and two-time Memorial Cup champ with the Spitfires. You, you talked about how you found the game again. You found your love for the game in in Europe. Despite all those rules, <laughs> and it sounds like a terrible. We, we feel bad. We're painting this as a horrible experience for your life here, Dale. But, <laughs> but you know, m- maybe talk about the game there. How is it different than North America in Europe, the European game? Well, especially the crowds. I mean, Denmark because it's not a big country, but Germany when I was there, especially, they play drums the whole game as if it's like a soccer match. So. I mean, Danish fans were great too, um, but not as many. But still, the crowds are are so. For example, our home crowd would always be behind the visiting goalie for the first and third period. So if you score in one of those periods and you're right there, the whole place just up. They're already up on their their feet, and it's just more. It's electric, you know. It's. You know, you think AHL, ECHL, there's actually not that many fans at a lot of games. Like, even if you're in these, or it just feels like you're in, a, in these big, huge buildings, but there's, even though there's 3,000 fans, they're all scattered. So, it was, you never had electricity like you do in, in, in Europe. Um, Germany was undercover, a huge hockey country, actually. So, that was actually a lot of fun to play in uh, for my one year, but. In Denmark, they're very loyal, so, uh, you know, you have visiting fans singing bad songs about you and home fans singing great songs about you, and, yeah, you just something about the crowd. Again, that's why I kind of touched on earlier was, like, with no crowd this year, it almost even was an easy way to see you later, kind of end the career that way. They sang about you? Like, what's the crowd? Oh, what did yeah. they hey, say in the song about you? Probably... Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to say it anymore. They would say I sleep with men, and uh, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about that because I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh but, my uh, gosh, it's cutthroat yeah, it's over there. The best story uh, in yeah. the history for future considerations right here. Yeah, yeah, they would had this. Well, I mean, I didn't know what they were singing, and I got two of my teammates laughing on the bench. And I said, "Oh, you got to tell me." And they translated it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that nowadays? <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the songs, and it was, you know, yeah. I think about men all day, and it's like, ole, ole. Well, yeah. uh, 
Well, I guess if you play for that side, you wouldn't be bothered by it, right? But no, it was the Disney team, and then they would have like Dale Bitchell as one side, (laughs) Dale and the Seven Dwarfs one side, and uh, one time they had a a real pig head with my name in the mouth on a steak. (laughs) What? Yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, that's why I say they weren't a big country in Denmark. But <laughs> the ones that were supporters of the teams were very uh, a lot of pride, and that's why I kind of said, you know what, like these people love it, and let's put on a show. I guess you could say, and that's why it was very exciting. Every night it was either again you're at home, they love you, and if you're on the road, they're chirping you. But it's fun. It was really fun. So you're you're. I want to. I'm. <laughs> This is the, most interesting. This is the most interesting thing I've ever heard. So you're on the road. Let's just paint a picture for you here. You're on the road. It's 3-2. You've got your goalie pulled. The They're telling you that you, you think about men. There's a pig head behind you. And you score with like four seconds left. What is that celebration on the road? And how does it not include just taking the glove off and putting the middle finger up in the air? <laughs> So, oh, I so I did that. And I, got to play one game. I thought you may have known something. Oh, no. I, yeah, if you guys look, there's clips of one clip. So we're looking we at rivalry. We're looking it up right now. It was so, a rivalry if, game. A rivalry game. And uh, I scored to make it the empty netter to win 4-2. And I went by the bench and I gave them the finger with the glove on. And... Uh, I didn't know anything. All of a sudden, I turn around, a whiteboard's getting thrown at me. The assistant coach has the stick in his hand, and it was a TV game, so it was even more amplified. So the, that coach got three games. I got one game, and but as a clip that's on YouTube, and it's quite comical. The coach has got the stick like he's ready to beat me with it, and the whiteboard, the funniest thing is this whiteboard coming out of nowhere, just missing me. <laughs> I thought when you said that, as if you, you it's legitimately what I did. I said, "Don't you to do this." So you're just yeah, you're so. you're just running a circus over there, aren't you? Well, yeah. I mean, sorry, I'm just watching first, some Dana Shockey now as we talk. <laughs> Go ahead. My first uh, my first two years, I, the one year I think both years I led the league in penalty minutes, but that's because you're like taking a lot of tens and they count that. And then I think I got—I realized, like, you know, you're just being too selfish, and you know, it's not about you. And you, you could see it starting to get on the Danish guys. Like, they don't like that stuff when you're a clown. So I kind of took it down, and there I think it you is. In reflection of my penalty minutes, over. This guy yeah. threw a clipboard at you, and then grabs a goalie so, stick. He's—he's he's tossing water bottles at the bench yeah. now. He grabs a goalie stick. This is unbelievable. Yeah, that, this is great. All because you said you were number one. <laughs> so your home city was yeah. Odense, so, right? Was that right? Your yeah, home city yeah. was Odense? So I played five five years there. So yeah. were you like... Yeah. My son was actually born there. So oh, cool. Kind of, so if you're causing this much... No, that's why, yeah, it's a big, big part. So you're causing this much shit on the road... What are you at home? Are you like the folk hero, or what's going on? No, that was at home. That was at home. Oh, wow. So, that one was at home. And so the next game we played them, all the fans brought pictures of a middle finger, and there's probably 2,000 of them holding up middle fingers. You know what I mean? Like it, they, they were able to play off uh, 
play off these kind of like little childish games and you know I'm not saying in the NHL they don't do that, but you know you wouldn't have fans bringing middle fingers as a joke. The next <laughs> year. Maybe they would, but not not in Toronto. That's for sure. <laughs> Did that guy throw the clipboard like fifty yards, or what's going on there? Like I didn't even know. I got sent right to the penalty box, and then I watched all these highlights uh, later that night. <laughs> I didn't realize the amount of chaos that started, and then I got a call. <laughs> yeah, we're, we have to suspend you one game. <laughs> oh, that's one game well worth it. We have to put that up on our social media. We are totally putting this video up on our social media. Dale Mitchell. Unbelievable. Look at the clipboard. It's, <laughs> he could play for the Dolphins, that guy. Yeah. So, we. what's the Poco Cup? Like, we we did do a little bit of yeah, homework I here. Know. But. I know. It, it, you guys are familiar with soccer? I mean, they have their, they have their inner league, like championships so within the season is a tournament so we won that but we actually lost first round of the playoffs so but it's huge for them so it basically was like an excuse to have a party at the end and you get this big giant trophy and uh yeah so you play a tournament within the season against the same teams and it so if you are familiar with champions league you play an aggregate uh, Friday, sure. Saturday, okay. and then yep. if you move on, the other team's eliminated, and we managed to just do well. Uh, we finished fourth that year, but we managed to do well, and then the final game is a one-game playoff. It's exactly the same format as Champions League. And, uh, yeah, we won it, and I couldn't believe... I literally was like, why are we playing these exhibition games? Because, you know, <laughs> my focus is regular season playoffs and championship, and yeah, we managed to win, and I couldn't believe it. We came back and fireworks and flares at our stadium from all these fans. And I was like, "Wow, it means that much to them." So, um, yeah, it worked out well, and it kind of saves your year because if you don't win the uh, championship, they go, "Well, we won the Poco, so it's great." So it worked out well. So you win the Poco, you win the <laughs> Danish Cup in 2016. What was that like? And you were leading the league in scoring that year too so you were just a goal scoring machine too or yeah I mean I don't know I just I think the coach allowed us to sometimes if you get a tough coach uh, we had a Canadian guy so we played the imports a lot and um, you know we were able to not do well and he wouldn't get on us so he kind of gave us a lot of freedom which I think worked really well for me and um, sometimes if you don't play again it's one of those things like do you get on a guy if he turns it over at the blue line or do you let him try that one move and, and it works? So uh, he gave us a lot of freedom and it worked out well. And it kind of actually, I think, evolved me as a player. I get a lot of confidence those two years and kind of goes, go, well, I wish I could play like this when I was 20, 21. Um, I feel like I was a more skilled player down the line, but I don't know how to compare it because you don't really get to go play against those guys in the AHL. So, yeah, it was... Uh, I just gained, I think I gained a lot more confidence with the puck. Maybe you have that more room too with how big the ice is, and it's really people always ask me, you know, what ECHL compared to Denmark? It's just two different games. Denmark is so fast, but then guys don't really make great decisions with the puck either, like North America. So again, it's a, yeah, it's a tough tough question to answer, but uh, what's you know, what's better and what's not. So did they have the fireworks for the Danish Cup too? Like, how was that party? 
Well, that was the same one. I, it it oh, was okay. uh, that was the same thing. The Polko. Uh, they called yeah the Danish Cup Polko, and then I don't know what they call the finals. So I never won a finals, but I won the, the inter league championship, which is just as big, I guess. And that was a big party. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. Basically, it's a free party on the team, and all the it was, yeah, it was a blast. But then you got to go back to work on like Tuesday to play a game. So it's weird. It's like usually when you win a championship, you have the summer to relax and reflect. But we won on Tuesday, West Sunday, and then we're back playing a regular season game on Tuesday. So you got a quick turnaround. So you have all that going on, and then um, in addition to that, uh, we heard uh, during Zoom Zoom calls last season while your younger teammates were in class, you were uh, putting on a bit of a show. Oh yeah, you <laughs> watched that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like it was What's it was this? Kind of uh, <laughs> I think it was sorry, excuse me. It was uh I think you watched that uh video I asked my funniest moment, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, uh one of our so we have quite a bit of so Denmark's not full time pro players. A lot of the Danish guys either have to go to work or, or, or go to school, and then we practice in the afternoon, similar to the OHL uh, structured with training uh, practices. So one of our guys, he had to come early to the rink, and uh, I usually go to the rink early anyways because I spend all morning at home. So he was doing a Zoom class meeting in the physio room, and that's where our scale is. And while well, I'm 30, I like to try to weigh in as light as possible every day. So I went in completely naked and I thought he gave me the wave I thought he gave me like the thumbs up that everything was good uh, but I guess that was just a hello so I went on the scale naked and then I leave and he comes running out what were you doing now my whole class just saw you naked on zoom and I, was like, oh, I don't know anyone in his class so it didn't bother me but I thought that was funny that uh, don't act like you're not impressed yeah exactly yeah. not much to see here oh man so on the off days like what was it like being in denmark like scenery great like what did you do on your off days uh well i mean take this year as like a scrap year but normally uh the european schedules are great on your body you only you never play back-to-backs and you play a lot of friday sunday or tuesday friday and so it gives you usually Saturdays you can go into the city and Odin's I was in and actually was I think there's 300,000 people that live there so wow. they had a great downtown um, we we're about an hour and a half away from Copenhagen so we could go and visit there but the only downfall there is when you go across the bridge to go there and back is a hundred dollars bridge fee so, what? wow yeah oh that cost of living in Denmark is crazy a cup of coffee at a gas station is five dollars canadian i mean wow. we wouldn't pay we would laugh if tim Hortons ever charged us for that so <laughs> um it was hard to do a whole lot because you're just spending an arm and a leg the conversion rate was crazy but um they're a very they're a flat country there's not a lot of hills but it was the the one thing i like about europe is you have these walking streets that have cafes and restaurants and shops and it's not like downtown Toronto where you're crossing the street. Like these walking streets, you just stay on them and you can kind of spend an afternoon just doing your own thing on these uh, 
yeah, I, that was one of my big takeaways of, of Europe is these walking streets. And if anyone's, they would know what I mean. It's, that was our big thing on days off of going down there and spending the afternoon in the city. Park the car and explore, right? Like <laughs> exactly, just yeah, 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 and, yeah. Last couple questions for for Dale Mitchell here on for future considerations. Glad to have him on. So, you think about it. Who's the best player that you've played with or against? Now that your hockey career is done, have you ever thought about that? Well, I'm fortunate to play with um, two number one overalls, Tavares and Taylor Hall. Um. I've been asking before, you know, who's better and why not. It's, it's, again, two different hockey players, as we all know, right? Johnny, centerman, not as fast as Taylor, but hands are excellent, scores goals like crazy, and Taylor, to me, is more of a energetic, and his speed is very noticeable. And I just think Johnny, he's, the game is obviously a lot different, but, I think he still finds a way to just score goals. And I just fall in love with guys that can score goals. I think it's like, it's one of those talents that no matter, I mean, look at Phil Kessel, everyone gives him a hard time, but he still finds a way to score goals. But um, I would say the best player, yeah, has to be Johnny. Uh, for me, um, to, to play against is, is, you know, if you played one game against him, I don't really think that is a fair thing, but. I would say Johnny and Taylor right, right, right behind them. Obviously, uh, those two guys were special, special players, and that's why they're still having success in the NHL after so many years. And you would mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, you're still interested in being involved in hockey at some point. Uh, what what kind of involvement are you looking at on the on the coaching side? Uh, I, again, with COVID, it's so hard to you know express and much interest because no one knows what in the world what's going on so um a couple of years ago i, I um eric uh wellwood was the coach of flynn and you know we almost actually connected up there help him assistant coach but things didn't work out so that kind of got me excited to to maybe coach one day and and um you know it's if things don't work out in, in uh, maybe OHL level, I'd love to still help out with minor hockey. It's, uh, to be around the game still would be a ton of fun. Um, being out in Essex County too, they have they love their hockey as well, and then there's lots of opportunity to go help out with different teams and just seeing how the world shakes up here in the, or Ontario shakes up here in the next two months. We'll see if those. I mean, the main thing the rink's got to get open to try to. Put yourself out there and uh, give some hope into hockey. So, uh, but I, for me, I'll I would jump into anything right now. But again, we'll we'll see what that has to bring. My my favorite Dale Mitchell memory is still at the WFCU Center to make the crowd get louder and louder. They would have a thing of the jumbotron <laughs> yeah. to make your mustache longer and longer. And it looks like you still got a good one going there too. I know I, I got to get a haircut too, but. <laughs> And you know what sucks is when I went to Denmark, they literally go, we're going to lock, it was in December, we're locking down, all hair salons are closing, and I was like, ah, you know what, when I get back home, they'll probably be open, so I don't have to worry about it, and like getting a haircut there from a male is still like 50 bucks, so I was like, 
it's just hockey season and not that, you know, you don't want to be too cheap, but I said, yeah, when I come back home, I'll be able to get a haircut. And then when I come back home, we lock down the week I get back. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. And so, I don't know, just not having to shave too. It's kind of doesn't really entice uh, me to shave. And so, yeah, yeah I it's try funny to keep the mustache. It's funny you say about that stash because I remember calling, uh, uh, a game early. I think you were still with o- Oshawa at the time, but you had facial hair in, in the uh, OHL, yeah. like one of the few guys yeah. in the O with facial hair. Yeah, I don't know. I never, my first year too with Windsor, I never really shaved into a mustache, but it was just for playoffs. I thought it was just everyone does beards and mine doesn't actually grow. It just doesn't grow on the side. So I, I it's like, it's not funny or it's not. I don't have that big grizzly beard, so um, I said, I'm going to do a mustache. I think it's funny, and us going as far as we did, it was able to just grow, and yeah. I didn't realize how thick I could grow it at, <laughs> at 19, because you don't really, you go to high school, you don't want to be like, you know, you want to look, these a big mustache in high school. <laughs> so this was my opportunity to grow it, and I said, you know what, this is kind of catchy, and people think it's funny, and yeah. kind of I'm pretty sure me. at some point, I'm pretty sure at some point that mustache had a Twitter page or something. <laughs> it it, it kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah, and they were selling big mustaches and whatnot at the WFCU as well. Yep. yep. You know, you know, again, you kind of, at the time, you don't think much of it. and You go, well, you take, take for granted of the moment, and now it's kind of cool looking back on on all those little things. Dale, glad that you're back in Essex County, big metropolis of Kingsville. Glad that uh, you've been able to come on the podcast. By the way, you you said you're still a Leafs fan. How are the? What do you think of the Leafs' chances for the Cup this year? They're always going to disappoint, eh? They always disappoint. <laughs> but I'll have to say, this has to be the best team assembled on paper in what, since Matt Sandin, Darcy Tucker time, uh, 02, 2002. I think that's, yeah, that conference final, I think that was. I think they get out of the north. Um, but again, they'll always find a way to... Uh, <laughs> Spoken to, like uh, a true Leafs fan. Yeah. Spoken no, like I, a I, true I, Leafs our, fan. Our, uh, our producer, be, John, is a Vancouver Canucks fan, and you should hear him. You'd think the Canucks haven't won a game in their franchise, so we're used to the, uh, the downplay. Oh, he must be excited to watch a four o'clock game today while everyone else is playing in the playoffs. Eh? <laughs> yeah, they were razzing me about that a couple oh, of days ago. I'm like, on this edition of Canucks hockey, it's what the hell are we doing? Terrible, Dale. Thanks for there very much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Dale Mitchell joining us, uh, remembering the. 2009 and 2010 OHL and Memorial Cup championships with the Spitfires and talking about his uh, career in Europe as well. Some great stories there too. Man, it's it's going to be tough to beat that. The guy, <laughs> we're going to post the video of the uh, the altercation where the the coach basically threw anything that was on his bench towards <laughs> Dale Mitchell. That's I think that's the best story we've heard so far. Uh, unbelievable and congratulations on a tremendous career. And we're looking forward to getting together too when. This whole pandemic is over. For sure. Thank you. And if you have any thoughts on this interview, you can always email us with your feedback at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll take your show ideas and guests too. Uh, Let us know what you want to hear on the show. 
Yeah, follow us on social media as well. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook as well at For Future Considerations. Big shout out to our sponsors of For Future Considerations too. London Awnings, quality that shows. And we want to thank Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sports training as well. See, he... I don't think he can grow a mustache as good as Dale Mitchell. He's got a heck of a beard going, though, right now. Yeah, I know. He's right at that borderline homeless look, and I think it's working for him. But it's taken him since last March to do it, right? Absolutely. Dale can grow that in like two I haven't weeks. shaved since we locked down last March, Manny. It's just finally starting to come through. <laughs> oh, man. John, always good to hear from you again, too, bud. And thanks to our guest, Dale Mitchell. And thank you for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard... One of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.